You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, good morning again, ACF. My name is Lauren Thurston. If I don't have the privilege of knowing you, I am a pastor here at ACF, and I am also the communications manager. And I see so many faces out here that I love and adore. Thank you guys so much for being here today because I believe that if you are here, God wants to meet with you. Do y'all believe that? If you are here in this room, God has something to tell you, so I'm so glad you guys are here today. Before we get started, I'm gonna put on my communications manager hat and I'm gonna tell you about two very important things, one of which is happening today on the patio. Our incredible ACF Kids Ministry is hosting a Christmas event on the patio. I hear they've got snow, at least the Texas version of snow. They've got a petting zoo. They've got treats. It's going to take place after this service. It's going to take place after the next service. So if you guys are watching online, you can come to the 1115 service and also take part in this incredible Christmas event that is going on outside. I love our ACF Kids Ministry, and they are here just to love on families during this season. The other thing I wanna invite you guys to is December 24th, which is next Sunday. We are gonna have Christmas Eve services here at ACF at 2 and 4 p.m. Our incredible worship leader, John David Vasquez, will be leading worship. I'm supposed to be leading with him if my voice returns by that time. Prayers for healing. Um, But we are gonna have a message from our senior pastor, Will Davis Jr., and it's gonna be a special day. Um, I love Christmas Eve at ACF. It's just a time when family comes together and we celebrate the birth of Christ. I mean, this is really what starts. It's the walk to the cross. It starts on Christmas Day with the birth of Christ and will lead us through Easter. So I just invite you guys to come out at 2 or 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve. I do want to tell you, we will not have Sunday morning services on Christmas Eve. Do not come here because we ain't going to be here. We're going to be here at 2 and 4 And then the following week, I believe that is the 31st, that following Sunday, there's no services. We are taking the week off. You guys enjoy being with your family, enjoy celebrating the new year. There will not be services here. So those are the announcements that I have for you guys. Okay, so we have been walking through this series on hope for the last couple of weeks. And I had the privilege of being in the room with the teaching team when our pastor, Chris Tapkin, sat at the head of the table and he said, you guys, what do we think that people need during this season? Last year at about this time, we talked about peace. People need peace in our lives. But this year, almost unanimously, the teaching team came up with the word of hope. We need hope. We need hope, you guys. And it's not, it's not hope just for the non-believers, it's hope for the Christ followers because I think we all encounter seasons of hopelessness in our lives. So far in this series, we talked about how to have hope in the unseen, how to have hope when God seems silent, how to find hope through gratitude, how to find hope amid chaos. And then also last week, Will talked to us about areas where we may misplace our hope at times. So today, I have the privilege of talking to you about hope for the future. And guys, I gotta warn you, I'm gonna come out swinging on this one. It has been a heck of a week, a heck of a month for me, the most recent attack being on my health this past weekend. But I have encountered, as I've been walking through this series, I have encountered, full disclosure, hopelessness. 
I have encountered it as a pastor, as a lifelong Christ follower, I have encountered this. So I think that God has a word for us today because he has taught me so much about hope in the last couple weeks. We have a prayer barn, for those of you that, that are new to ACF, we have a prayer barn on our property. And I've gone to that prayer barn, I think three or four days this week. We have prayer hour every weekday, 12 to one. And I've been crying out for God, crying out for him to heal my hopelessness. And I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday this week, I got in my car after, after the prayer hour and the enemy was seemingly saying to me, Lauren, you got nothing. Knowing that I was preaching this Sunday, Lauren, you got nothing. And I don't know about you, but I believe in sports, spiritual warfare. The word of God says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but is against the principalities and the powers of darkness. But I also believe in spiritual victory. Deuteronomy says, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. We stand in a place of victory. And this is why I've been frustrated the word of God is my weapon. I know what the word of God says. So why haven't I felt hopeful? Does anybody else ever feel that way? So I knew that I needed to understand, God revealed to me three things in the last couple weeks. What hope really means, where hope comes from, and how I can claim it. God's word says that we have hope, so today, December 17th, I want to declare a war on hopelessness. Not just for me, but for every person in this room, for every person in this city that encounters hopelessness. As Christ followers, we have hope. So I'm declaring a war against hopelessness. And the weapon that I'm gonna use to fight this war is the word of God. So before we start, guys, let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you are victorious. I thank you that you have defeated already anything that this world will ever throw at us. God, I thank you that because your Holy Spirit lives in us, we are victorious. God, I pray today that through your word and through this message and through our worship that you would be glorified above all. God, please empty myself of myself. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I believe that you are here and you are here to meet with the people. God, bring us the hope that we need because the truth is hope is only found in your presence. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. All right, so we have some Bibles available for you guys. If you wanna use a Bible, I'll invite our Bible partners to come forward. Guys, I wanna reiterate that this is the living, breathing word of God. If you wanna use your phone, that's awesome too. We're gonna to be going to Hebrews. Oh, and I've lost one of my tissues. Uh, we're gonna be going to Hebrews 6 today. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. You can keep these, you can give them away, you can return them, you can do whatever you want with them. At ACF, Bibles are always free. So if you wanna flip in the word to Hebrews 6 or you wanna pull up your Bible app in Hebrews 6, that's where we're gonna to land today. So I told you the three things that I was really struggling with in, hope, in, in my hopelessness over the last couple of weeks was what hope really is. And hope is always about the future. Faith is what we have based on the evidence of God's word. Faith is a noun, but hope is a noun and a verb. It has to do with the future. And we have hope in the future because of the faith we have based on the evidence of God's word. And I think what was kind of tripping me up 
was what the world defines as hope. I've lived in the world for 41 years. I've heard for 41 years how the world defined hopes. And I think it started to kind of creep into my belief system. The world describes hope as a wish or a desire for something to happen, even without evidence. Y'all have heard the phrase, expect, no, hope for the best, expect the worst, or hope for the best, prepare for the worst. What's even the point? That hope is worthless. It's like you're just putting out positive vibes and energy. We have no strength, guys. We are living in a broken world. We are broken vessels. You can hope, but if your hope is not in the one true living God, it is worthless. And I don't mean that to sound like bad news. This is, this is a message of good news. But the world says that hope is a wish. The word of God says that hope is a confident expectation of our salvation. It says that hope is based on a promise that God is who he says he is, and God is going to do what he said he would. Hope is a promise. So I'm going to ditch the world's version of hope, and I'm going to go with the word's version of hope. So turn to Hebrews chapter 6, 19, verse, uh, verses 19 and 20. I love this passage because this passage is titled, my Bible has the title, this passage is called The Certainty of God's Promise. The Certainty of God's Promise. And it starts in verse 19. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. Let me break this down word by word. We, that is every Christ follower, we have, have is a present tense verb. That means right now in this moment, we have hope. It is a present possession for Christ followers. It's not something that may come eventually. It's not something that is here every once in a while. It is here now. We have this hope. And the Greek word for this hope is elpis. And I looked it up, and elpis is the joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. We have this hope. The source of this hope is God and his son through whom we have salvation. It started with Abraham when God made a promise to Abraham and he delivered and we are brought into that promise that God made Abraham as Christ followers. We have this hope and it is our anchor. It is our anchor. Many of you, since we're out in the Lake Travis area, many of you have boats. Our family has a boat. The anchor holds you steady. It holds you firm and you need it because the lake or the ocean or whatever body of water you are on, it is rough. You need something to hold you steady. And this verse says, what's going to hold us steady is our hope, our hope of salvation. So I think what was interesting to me about this, 
I was just gonna stop at Hebrews 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. But I learned something interesting about anchors, which is why I wanted to include verse 20, where it enters the sanctuary beyond where Jesus went before us who entered on our behalf. Okay, so the anchor isn't just for steadiness. What I learned, I'm not a wayfarer or a pirate or whatever goes out on the ocean. What I learned about boats is that when there are heavy waves, when there is fog and a boat cannot make it into the harbor, another boat, which is capable of going through and navigating the waves and the fog, another boat will take the anchor for that ship that can't get in and it will carry it to the harbor. Do you guys see the metaphor here? The vessel, the ship is us, it is our souls. The anchor is our hope that Jesus purchased for us. The harbor is heaven and the waves are the trials and tribulations that we will inevitably have in this world. But take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world. He is that boat that takes the anchor when we can't get into shore, and he carries it. He goes before us. He has entered on our behalf so that we can wench our way back into the harbor. It's not dependent on us. It's totally dependent on Jesus, and he has already done it. God, that is so freeing to me. That is so freeing to me. So I, I won't have time today to get into the going behind the curtain. There's incredible imagery there. But I mainly was just struck by this image of the anchor and how it can go before us and winch us back into the harbor so we can get through the waves. So knowing that this is the word of God and this is truth, that's all great. But I was wondering, God, why don't I feel this hope? Why don't I feel it? And the great news that God revealed to me, he's like, guess what? My hope, Lauren, isn't dependent on your feeling it. The word says that you have hope. You don't have to feel it. It's there. The word says that I am forgiven. I don't have to feel it. The word says that I am loved, even if I don't feel it at the moment. This is the truth. And guys, I think that we need to start taking the word of God and declaring it as the truth over our feelings. Our feelings do not dictate. They don't validate whether or not the word of God is true. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. But I told God, I still wanna feel it. I'm a feeling person, I still wanna feel it. So guys, first of all, you're human just like me, we have to give ourselves mercy, we have to give ourselves grace, because we are living in a broken world. We are broken vessels. So we're not always gonna feel all the great things that this word promises us. And I wanna warn you that there is someone out there who wants to steal your hope. I said earlier that flesh and blood is not the enemy. That means that your spouse is not the enemy, that your ex is not the enemy, that your boss is not the enemy, that your child, any family member, your brother, your sister, your parents, your neighbor, that person who hurt you, they are not the enemy. We have one enemy 
and he is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the things he wants to steal is our hope because he knows the price that Jesus paid for it. You don't steal things that are invaluable. He is here to steal something that is so valuable. It is our anchor. And I have decided to say, no, you are not going to steal my hope. And this is what makes me mad. So you guys turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter five. I'll give you a couple of minutes to get there. Um, Paul wrote this letter to a culture that was filled with seduction and materialism. Does that sound familiar? Seduction and materialism. Paul wrote this letter to this city because their secular views had started to undermine God's ways. So Paul wrote this letter to the church to give them an eternal perspective. Honestly, I think we can use an eternal perspective. He's basically reframing, here's what you see in the world, here's the world's values, but here's the eternal perspective that covers all of it. Let us see the world through that lens. Chapter five, verses eight and nine. It says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Some versions say clear-headed, controlled. Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pause there for a moment. Our hope is our salvation. And I did a little bit of studying about armor. Back in the day when people had to suit up for battle, the helmet was the last thing they put on. It was the last sign that they were prepared to go into battle. It protects the body's command station, which is the brain. If you don't have the helmet, most of the other armor is not gonna do you much good. The helmet's the last piece we put on. And our helmet is the expectation or the assurance of salvation. And it is our impenetrable defense against the enemy's attacks. Now, what I think is interesting here is that he didn't say, hey guys, put on a t-shirt and some flip-flops. That would have been awesome. Because I'm gonna be like, we're going to the beach. This is gonna be fun. We're gonna just breeze through this life. No, he's saying, you put on your armor because you're going into battle. So the helmet protects the brain. But what I wanna also share with you guys, the helmet also, think of it as protecting the mind because the mind is often the battlefield for hope, at least in my experience. And if you belong to Jesus, that battle is not gonna end. Aren't you guys glad you came today? Merry Christmas! Battle's not gonna end. No, but this is not about the battle. This is about the victory. God gives us this helmet, this hope of salvation, because it is our protection in the battle. Let's continue in verse 10. It says, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. See, that's the prize for this battle. 
we will live together with him. All will be right in the world. And in verse 11, therefore, Will always says, know what the therefore is there for. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just in fact as you are doing. So we have this hope. We have the hope of salvation. Therefore, what's your part? Your part is to encourage one another. We all receive enough discouragement in this world. It is our job as the body of Christ to encourage one another in the hope, in the promise of salvation that we have been given. So we've covered what hope really means, where it comes from, who's trying to steal it, and lastly, the most important step for me is how can I claim this hope? A very wise mentor of mine, Mr. Charles Patterson, told me recently in a meeting, said, Lauren, if you're feeling hopelessness, it's because at some point along the way, you have believed a lie from the enemy that God is not good. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. You have believed a lie because we know what the word of God says. And the word of God says that we should have hope. I don't wanna believe a lie anymore. I believe that God is good and God is who he says he is and God is gonna do what he promised. So he told me, Lauren, repent. Don't y'all love hearing that from your mentor? Oh, here's what you're experiencing, repent. Okay, great. So I had to, I had to get on my knees and I was like, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for feeling hopelessness because you say that I have hope and somewhere along the way I believe the lie from the enemy that I don't have hope. You are my hope and I have you. Therefore, I have hope. So step one is repent. Step two, and this is the one I struggle with, is renew. Romans chapter 12, you guys will all be familiar with this. It says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do we renew the mind? Our mind is finite. Our mind is fallen. Our mind here on earth is working with limited information. So what we need to do is we need to replace the error of the world's ways with God's truth. We need to get in the word. We need to declare God's truth over the enemy's lies. We need to get in prayer. We need to get in worship. Because hope is a side effect of spending time with Jesus. That's where it comes from. When I was feeling hopeless several times throughout the last couple of weeks, I called one of my accountability partners and she said, you're feeling hopeless? You need to get in the presence of Jesus. And honestly, my response is, I don't want to. I want to sit here and sulk in my hopelessness. But she's like, Lauren, you turn on worship music. And it has nothing to do, I didn't feel like worshiping, but me, but God deserves worship regardless of what I'm feeling. He is worthy of worship regardless of my state of mind. He is worthy of it. 
So I turned on the worship music and things started to lift. And I started to remember, started to get some of that eternal perspective. God is in control, God is good, God's got me, regardless of what I'm working through. I prayed, which was more like venting. Um, but you know, God wasn't surprised by anything I had to say. He knew everything, he knew every circumstance, he knew every word I was gonna say to him, and he listened. And he greeted me ever so gently with open arms. And you know, even when I did those things, my circumstances didn't change, but my perspective did. My perspective changed. Because in the presence of God, there isn't hopelessness. So step number three, Oh, I said step two was the worst. No, step three is the worst. Step three is relinquish. I love to control things. I guess because I think so highly of myself and my ability, I'm not really sure. I love to control things. I'm like, if things would just go the way that I had planned them, man, life would sure be easy. You guys know this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What does this verse say? For I know the plans I have for you. Surprise, they're not Lauren's plans. They are God's plans. God knows the plans he has for me. And it says his plan will give me hope. This is a promise. God doesn't say things that are false. He has a plan and his plan will give you hope. So you call on him and you pray to him and he will listen. The reason I think relinquishing is hard is because relinquishing requires humility. It requires me to say that I don't know best, but God knows best. Isaiah says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It takes us acknowledging God's ways are higher. God's plan is better. So I wanna wrap up this hope series today, one week out from Christmas, when our living hope arrives. The band is gonna lead us through what I would call a declaration. I want us during this time, maybe you need to repent of hopelessness, I did. Maybe you need renewal of the mind, I did. Maybe you need to relinquish control. So as the band leads us through this song, I want us to confidently declare these lyrics as our anthem. We sang earlier today, my weapon is a melody. I want the enemy to hear you say these lyrics as we declare, your name is higher, your name is greater. All my hope is in you. Your word, unshaken, your promise, unfailing, all my hope is in you. So I invite you guys to stand, to declare this over your lives. Let the enemy hear it. Let the Lord hear it. 
This is the spirit that we are gonna walk in. Today, December 17th, we are declaring a war on hopelessness because our hope is in the one true living God and he says we have him.